welcome to Environmental Podcast, The Age of Plastic. I'm your host, Andrea Fox, and I'm just a girl who realised recycling isn't going to cut it when it comes to saving the world. So join me on a journey to learn more. And happy holidays to you. It is August after all. As you're listening to this, I am literally getting the train to Bordeaux for my holiday this year. And today's episode is all about sustainable holidays. I am talking to the man who created a hotel that in itself is recyclable. First up, though, if you are feeling generous, why not tell a friend about this podcast? Or if you haven't already, pop a little review on Apple Podcasts and let me know your thoughts. As always, my website is iamandreafox.co.uk and it's got all the social media accounts for this podcast and how you can get in touch with guest suggestions and your own eco life hacks. And I've got one for you at the end of the episode, which can help you with all your old empty sun cream plastic bottles at the end of summer other than, of course, turning them into a Blue Peter Tracy Island. Right then, time for today's guest. What does it take to make a hotel sustainable? And do we even consider sustainability enough when it comes to our holidays? We talk about all of that with one half of Stowe Projects. That's Charlie Fulford. He helped create the Stowaway Hotel in London's Waterloo. Charlie took part in quite a lot of Friends of the Earth protests in his youth and his father Bill founded the Camden Lock Market back in the 70s. Now basically he works to regenerate areas and create sustainable places like recent initiatives, Urban Market Company, Editionland, Artworks and the main feature of our chat today, the award-winning Stowaway Hotel. Now, hotel waste has been in the news quite a bit recently. A massive hotel chain has said they're going to stop using miniatures. We do cover that in today's chat. Now, as you might expect, Stowaway don't have plastic-filled minibars. They've got solar panels on the roof. You won't find any plastic miniatures and you won't end up going home with a plastic keycard either. So if you love concrete chat and if you've always wondered why your house is boiling in summer and freezing in winter and you'd love to know what on earth a passive house is, this is the podcast for you. So in our chat, learn all about how you heat an eco-building and exactly what you can expect to find in their 26 rooms. And of course, the very eco-waste product that each room is made of. But first up, I asked Charlie Fulford how exactly he describes Stowaway. Uh, we like to think it is an eco-hotel, yeah. It's, uh, it's innovative and uh, we've incorporated quite a lot of eco-elements into the building. So yes, we're happy with that description. Nice, because I've seen it's like a part hotel is another phrase that you like to use because it's kind of a bit more, it's not just a room, is it? You could, you could really stay there for quite a that, while. That's right. I mean, the, the idea really um, of the apart hotel is it's, it's giving people something that you don't get in an ordinary hotel. So you have your own kitchen, you can go out, find your own food, make your own food, so you're less reliant on packaged goods and all that sort of thing. And so, the minibar. Yeah, absolutely. And the minibar with all those redundant items that are wrapped in plastic that end up in the bin. So, yeah, we wanted to do things a bit differently. And it was also born out of a bit of travel we'd done ourselves and thinking about, well, actually, what makes a really nice stay? And it's being somewhere that you're very much kind of embedded more in the local community. So, you know, again, with an apart hotel, we don't provide any facilities really on site um, in the conventional hotel sense. So it means that people go out, they use the cafes, they use the local restaurants, they use the local shops. So, yeah, we like to think it's a more kind of integrative approach to uh, hotels. Yeah. So we should probably start off with what the hotel's made of, because it's not bricks and mortar. No, it certainly isn't. Um, It is a bit unconventional, as I said. It's uh, built from recycled shipping containers. 
And I guess it, it was opportunistic in a way because we were working with Network Rail on a big development down in Battersea. And off the back of that, we started looking at some of the land they've got in London. And this particular site's actually part of a portfolio that they weren't prepared to sell, but they were prepared to give us a long lease. So that's the challenge. Let's come up with something that would work. And basically the idea is it's like a massive Meccano set. You can bolt the whole thing together and unbolt it um, and move it on to somewhere else. So the entire building is um, recyclable which we really like. So it's kind of evolved as an idea out of, um, out of the opportunity of this particular site and obviously our interest in trying to do things in a more eco way. Yeah, so. exactly. I, I thought it was amazing. I've seen that idea used in offices before, but never in hotels. And obviously that makes complete sense if you've got a lease in that space. And I have had a tour uh, with Sergio. <laughs> they are beautiful. So can you explain some of the other eco elements inside Stairway? Yeah, so I guess, um, I mean, the big things with buildings, they tend to be quite sort of boring things, really. Um, really? But the uh, energy systems and insulation and all that sort of stuff. No, so, this, is, this is what I love. Let's get into the nitty gritty. How are you heating well, it? Well, <laughs> okay, so we've, we've got, um, it's all electric, um, which I think kind of has, again, this is one of those areas where for a long time everyone was encouraged to use gas because it was more efficient than electric. People are now being encouraged to go electric. So we actually have, we have a combination of things. We've got solar panels on the roof. Uh, we've got air source heat pumps, which basically act like a fridge in reverse. So they suck the heat out of the air and, and use that to, to heat the rooms. Um, and we've actually got a relatively new system, which has proven to be a bit, a bit, uh, a bit difficult, but it recycles the waste heat. So we, have air, we do have air conditioning in the rooms, um, partly, well, principally because um, we back straight onto the mainline railway going into London Waterloo, so yeah, it, it does get very, very noisy. I don't know if you were aware of that when you went round. But yeah, although in the room it's quite quiet. In the room it's very quiet, and we, um, yeah, so they are very well insulated, very well sealed, and um, with this system where it, it basically kind of dumps the, the heat back into the hot water, so you get a bit of free heat um, effectively back into the water system. And then the insulation, which um, we, we put a lot of energy into kind of layering the insulation. Because obviously with a metal box, you're quite restricted in terms of what you can do with them. They, they're not specifically designed for people to live in. They are designed to transport goods around the world. So they're incredibly strong, very robust. So they provide a good starting point. But actually, when you start converting them into rooms that are fit for people to, to live in, uh, you have to work quite hard to make them work. So we did put lots of layers of insulation. Um, and I think actually going back to this kind of concept of, you know, as a, as a building industry, I think we're, we're, we tend to be very conservative and very traditional. Um, we don't like change. Things happen very slowly. And I think the number one thing that we need to hit really is insulation with buildings because it's very hard to create enough renewable energy on site. But what you can do is things like, I don't know if you've heard of the passive house, um, which is a standard for building, which is incredibly rigorous. And it's basically you create an airtight building, very well insulated, triple glazed windows. You recycle the heat using mechanical uh, recovery systems. So it basically means that it's so well insulated that you don't... It, it also it works in the summer where, you know, if it's too hot because it's so well insulated, the rooms don't overheat. And I, I heard anecdotally a story about someone who had a... Um, they built themselves a passive house, um, lived in it for a bit, and then bought themselves a dog. 
and the the body heat from the dog they could notice that the rooms were warm <laughs> so wow. this is this good and this is the sort of stuff we should be putting into a building so i'm a firm believer in pushing that and i think frankly that should be ingrained in the building regulations so that everyone ultimately has to build to this high standard it would significantly reduce our energy demand so so that's kind of at a building level uh, what we're doing, we we haven't hit passive house standard. It would be, I think, impossible to do on containers, but they are very well insulated. Um, so hopefully, our energy bills won't be too high. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about like building. Just I, I've how much of a carbon footprint do we create making these new buildings? Like lots of water goes into it's, cement. It's massive, example. and I mean ev- everything. I, I don't know what the statistics are in terms of global proportion from buildings, but um, everything from you know concrete, hugely energy intensive um, industry, steel, obviously. So I think you know what what we do need to be doing is like it's like everything else in a way that you know plastic is a necessary evil. <laughs> we live with plastic. Buildings are a necessary evil. We have to have buildings. Mm. And as population grows, you have to accommodate people. Um, But I think it's about looking at more and more innovative ways of creating these buildings. So there are some really great pioneering examples of different types of concrete that are less energy intensive. Um, But also actually, you know, going back to the point I made earlier about once your building's built, that's a one-off. But hopefully it's going to be there for 100 years or more. So what you put into that building, and if you make it really efficient to run, you've got 100 years worth of savings. So I think generally it's about making them as efficient as possible and also adaptable because a bit like in a rather extreme way with Stirway that we can kind of unbolt all the rooms and move them off and perhaps reconfigure them. Um, creating buildings that are adaptable so that people can, you know, you, if your family expands, you, you, you know, you can accommodate that if you, you know, so that, so I think making them flexible and adaptable and having long-term um, lower energy costs are probably the, the biggest things we can be doing as part of the building industry. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And, and going back to some of the news that people will have seen recently, um, big hotel chains are starting to listen to consumers. I think it was the, the group. The Hilton group. Yeah, yeah. they're banning um, bathroom miniatures. And you touched on food at the start. Uh, I think RAP, the organisation, found that £318 million was wasted in the hotel industry on like food yeah. waste a year. So it, it's interesting to see those big groups starting it to is. bow it's, to commercial pressure. Is it, that what you would call it? it? It's brilliant. And I think the statistic was something like Hilton, they produced 200 million bathroom miniatures a year, which I mean is just mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It really <laughs> so is. So, you know, we kind of, again, it's interesting because that was one of the first things we were thinking about was, right, we're absolutely not doing miniatures and we're not doing little, you know, takeaway cups and tea stirrers and, you know, all that sort of stuff. All that's gone. So as a, perhaps we like to think of us, we're, we're a bit more pioneering than the big chains. So we're going to have to keep pushing our own pioneering issues forward as the others catch up. But it is, it is good. And I think it is really, you know, it's the consumer. If we can capture that kind of, you know, the Extinction Rebellion or the Greta Thunberg zeitgeist and get people to really demand change, that's how it's going to happen. You know, big scale change, people insisting on things happening and I did listen to a bit of your guest about the skincare and how the consumers you know they love this stuff and I think if we can that's where it gets exciting that's when you can really you know move things very quickly and it's a similar with I think people are kind of less aware of these issues in the property world and the hotel sector I think people like to see 
it's an eco-friendly hotel, but it's perhaps not one of the top, you know, five factors determining where people would stay. And I think I would like to see that elevated up as well, you know, so you get rewarded for being um, eco-conscious with what you're offering and the consumers respond accordingly. And, you know, obviously it has to be a good product. It's like everything else. You know, if we, if we, if our rooms looked a bit shabby and they weren't comfortable and the beds weren't comfortable, but we were eco, people aren't going to stay there. So, you know, we have to deliver a really good product um, and also then raise the bar in terms of being more um, sustainable as well. I think that's really interesting. Uh, and I wonder how that's going to change in the future. Will one of those stars on the five star rating have to Absolutely, be Absolutely, we should have all this stuff. Think? We should, yeah, because definitely. I don't Why think not? It's like an eco have a, search. Have a, yeah, have a, have a rating. I mean, I think I did notice that uh, Ecosia have started doing hotel searches, which is brilliant as well. So mm. you get a kind of another lump of trees that they'll plant if you search for a hotel and book a holiday through their website. So I think, you know, all this stuff is, is, is what we need and definitely pushing more awareness and I think um, just as as kind of consumer expectation grows people expect to see these things so it's a bit like you know when they brought in wearing seat belts in cars for example um, which you probably won't remember I read about <laughs> it I've read about it but you know there was there was a there was quite a big contingent of people saying this is outrageous, it's our freedom, we want to just be able to hop in and drive, you know, but actually now everyone, you get in and you put your seatbelt on and I think we need to get to that sort of position with it just becomes the norm. All this, you know, the eco is not a kind of add-on, it just is embedded in everything and people, you know, so in a way it just becomes the kind of the baseline and then, you know, that's the kind of holy grail we get to that, you know, this this is... This is the norm and, you know, it's not something that's unexpected. It just happens and you expect to recycle and you expect to, you know, make compromises and, you know. So. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It feels like at the moment, um, a bit like the Airbnbs of this world. What Stowaway is doing is being a bit of a disruptor in the industry. But eco, like you say, is like, oh, and we're eco in this way, but why not? have that as the absolute standard yeah i think so we've, we've got to get there you know we the, the reality is you know we we're in a crisis we do have a climate crisis and we have to see very dramatic change and it's got to apply across all industries including you know the the, the leisure in the and the leisure sector and people going on holiday you know people are always going to want to go on holiday but we have to we have to create change and you know if that means um not expanding Heathrow, which is you know, frankly outrageous. Yeah. Um, if it means that we have to tax aviation fuel, which we don't at the moment, you know, all this sort of stuff, it's insane against a backdrop of where we know we are. And actually where we, we know we've been at this point for the last 30, 40 years, it's just we haven't done anything about it. And it's taken kids going on strike yeah, on Fridays. Yeah, exactly. It's taking the, the kids to kind of wake us all up and say, hang on a second, you know, this is our future. You're literally stealing. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, yes, yeah, so I think it, uh, and it's good to see people are responding, um, but it has to happen and it has to happen in a very dramatic way, I think. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about consumers. I'm guessing then this is a big draw for your customers. Are you finding people saying, this is amazing, I'm loving what you're doing, this is why we chose you? I think so. I mean, I, I, um, I don't think that with certain sectors, I think there's now a huge awareness, like sort of, you know, recycled toilet paper or, you know, skincare products. I think in for some reason, I think there's a bit of a mentality still that, you know, when you're off on holiday, you kind of leave all that behind and you, and you let you let go. 
Um, so I, I think there's still a job to do to, to raise the, the profile and the importance of providing an eco as far as you possibly can make it as sustainable an experience as possible. And I think I would like to see a bit more of that going on in the, in the hotel sector and people being rewarded for, for doing the right thing. So it would be interesting to see you know, the reaction to Hilton talking about removing all their miniatures. Um, you know, I think if we're working hard to do things the right way, it'd be nice to think that we're going to draw more, more people to, to stay at Stowaway. Yeah. And like you've been saying about all of the innovative ways that you're heating Stowaway, do you think that the larger hotel chains have been quite slow? Are there some, I mean, there's easy switches like a green energy provider. So mm. why, what do you think are some of the real missteps that they just really aren't catching up on yet? Um, again, it's, it, you know, if you, if you think about the sort of the scale of change required and also when you're talking about big established hotel chains, you know, at the moment we're tiny, we're a little minnow, we've got 20 rooms. Um, so it's very easy. We can be more fleet of foot. We can introduce changes. We can experiment with things. Um, we we for it was one little example. We um, were playing around with um, charcoal air filters. So literally a bag with charcoal in it that you put in the room, and they're on the face of it. They're very effective. So rather than kind of coming in and spraying aerosols and you know trying to purify the air through using horrible <laughs> chemicals, we're actually going back to some really basic little moves like putting a charcoal bag in the room so I think you know it is harder if you're a big established company and it's also very difficult if you're talking about making changes to the buildings and the fabric of buildings you know you're talking about very significant costs Um, and again you have to weigh up the environmental sustainability of replacing lots of big bits of plant with new bits of plant you know there's an argument that says well actually you should you should let that run its course and then change rather than throwing stuff away to put new stuff in mm-hmm. so i think it's a difficult sector to introduce very quick change with buildings but and going back to the point i made earlier i think you know the way that we're going to see the property industry respond is by enshrining it in regulations so mm. that, you know it's a level playing field you know, when people are evaluating a particular opportunity, they know they have to put, install certain systems and therefore they factor that into their cost plan. That all feeds through into the land price and everyone knows where they are. I think where you have uncertainty, you're relying on people doing the right thing, but they're not necessarily, in a, you know, they're going to be competing against people who, who are not prepared to do the right thing and therefore they can save money and be more competitive. Mm. So I think it, it's got to move to a position where it is combination of relying on the kind of entrepreneurialism of the industry and people do come up with some amazing innovations you know I don't really understand how air source heat pumps work but they do (laughs) they pull hot air out of the outside even when it's quite cold which reduces massively the amount of energy you then need to heat the room so it's incredible technology like I said I don't understand it works it's great and people are producing more and more solar panels becoming more and more efficient so I think the industry encouraging that kind of creative spirit, but also then providing a, a regulatory framework where people know they have to do these things. Um, otherwise, they won't get their buildings signed off and they can't open them and then, you know. Yeah, then they pay attention. Exactly. So would that be your one big change for the industry then, regulation? I think so, because we are regulated through building control anyway, Mm -hmm. and they're already fairly stringent. I have to say, you know, they've been ramped up year on year, um, and I think it it needs to go further. And again, sort of the sooner you can start introducing that, the better, because then people know it's coming, so you can adapt and respond. 
um, people don't like you know sort of sudden change where it's switched on and you think right well we weren't doing that yesterday we've now got to do this which makes this particular project much more difficult to do so yeah, yeah I, I think so I think it just it, it needs a combination of carrot and stick <laughs> yeah it's the best way everyone it is. seems to say it is. it is well fingers crossed for that um I also wanted to ask you where do you stay when you go on holiday that's an interesting question um we do actually favor apart hotels and we do we do look for ones that consciously promote themselves as being a bit more green because I don't know just it's so ingrained in my psyche um that's you're working so, with it every day yeah you exactly so and then and also partly it's like it's a busman's holiday you can go on holiday and steal other people's ideas about how to how to be greener hey it's just sharing knowledge there's no exactly. original so, ideas right? and actually I think you know people are genuinely um we were in Copenhagen, for example, oh, which eco. is amazing. I mean, really what they're doing there, they're streets ahead of us in this, and it was really noticeable. Um, and again, it's just very, very prevalent. And it's not, it's not, I think you've used the word preachy. And, you know, it's not preachy. It's just kind of, they just all expect to live by these kind of new rules. And, you know, everyone's on bikes and, um it's a very expensive city, obviously. So the sort of you know the cost yeah, of living high is tax, high. But I have friends who live there, and you know, childcare is free because of that. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Those are the payoffs. Exactly. Yeah. So and I do, you know, I mean, going back to some of the sort of, um, you know, think you can't you go on holiday and you think, all oh, right, so then not using plastic keys, room keys, and stuff. So for example, at Stowaway, again, one of the 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 kind of the more innovative ideas that I think we brought to that was using your phone as your key so you don't get a bit of plastic. I mean, the number of plastic cards I've walked off with oh my in my time, you know, sitting in a drawer and you think, oh no, I've walked off with another one. So there's, you know, just little things like that where you're removing plastic or non-sustainable materials and just kind of, yeah, like I say, going on holiday and learning from other people's much more polished versions of what we're doing <laughs> is, 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 is great. Um, Stowe projects as well. I think you say what you're working on is regeneration and obviously sustainable placemaking. So I wanted to ask you, Charlie, what sustainable means to you? Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of struggle a bit with the word because it's, it is one of those kind of buzzwords. It's a bit of a catch-all. I think it gets branded around by people because it's a nice, easy way of kind of looking like you're doing the right thing. But for me, I guess um, I really like this concept of um, think global and act local, which, because for me, I think, you know, there's this idea about um, not prejudicing the kind of what you're leaving behind for the next generation. But there's something about, I think, where we are now um, being sustainable. In a way, it's quite overwhelming thinking about what is going on in the world. And so at a global level, I think people, there's a risk that people start thinking, oh, you know, what, what can I do, you know, mm. as you an individual, you feel, yeah, so I think I like this idea of think global, but act local. So actually small initiatives that you can do locally can have a quite a profound impact. And it's, it's a bit empowering for people as well. So, you know, whether it's cutting out takeaway coffee cups and buying yourself a keep cup or, you know, whatever it might be, just a small action. Um, and if that's replicated on a wider scale, it can be quite profound in terms of the impact it has. So for me, a kind of little well, a subset of sustainability, if you like, or something like that, think global and act local is, is what it's about for me. 
That's good. I think it's about that ripple effect, like you say. And Lizzie Carr, who's another uh, guest on the podcast who set up Plastic Patrol, uh, she thinks of plastic waste as kind of like a, it's, it's the gateway drug to get into all kinds of climate change and all kinds of sustainability. <laughs> yeah. Once you start thinking about your plastic That's waste, right. oh, you Yeah, think you notice else. all these other things, definitely. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, kind of just sort of subliminally putting this stuff into people's psyches so that they start acting in a different way is, is, a, is a nice idea, I think. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, so we always ask our guests two questions. The first one is quite difficult. Plastic is a good <laughs> material. We're just using it in the wrong way. So is there any plastic item in your life that you really couldn't live without? Yeah, so it is amazing when you start thinking about plastic and looking around and seeing quite how much stuff there is that's made of plastic. And I think I... I um, I, I'm one of those people who I find it quite difficult to work in silence. I don't. I like to have background noise all the time. So we we you're talking the, to a radio presenter. So, so thank you for that. <laughs> so in the office, we're always playing music. And so I was going to say that my, which actually is made out of plastic, but the Bluetooth speaker we have in the office is probably my favourite item of, of uh, non-single use plastic. There you go. I think that's so a pretty good one. So that's the one. Yeah. Am I allowed to ask what channels it's normally uh, as it's Rage Our Day for radio? Today. Yeah, well, I have to say, well, normally Spotify because it's easy. You just kind of put it on and don't worry about it. So well, that's okay. This, this podcast is available on Spotify, so there you go. Get, get us a get us on your Bluetooth speaker via Spotify. We will. <laughs> and uh, on to our final question: Your environmental hero, please. Yeah. So, am I allowed to have a short list? Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> so I, I I thought quite a lot about this, and obviously. Um, uh, it's sort of nice in a way that it's there are so many actually that I could think of. But I, I had um, a period of time volunteering for Friends of the Earth, so I have a particular affection for that organisation. And I think what's sort of encouraging is that they they are long term Greenpeace, Friends of the Earth, people like that. Um, so I was going to on my short list. I've got the guy who founded Friends of the Earth, which is David Brower. Um, I also wanted to put on a short list um, the founder of Ecosia, Christian yes. Kroll, because I just think that's such an amazing example of capturing what I was talking about before, this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. And actually now with the ability to do things so much quicker and faster and using, you know, kind of the world wide web for good, it's brilliant. And taking on established businesses and using that for good and planting trees. And I do think trees are kind of going to be so fundamental to helping us restore some balance. Nigeria's so, just planted a load, haven't they? As they a country, have, which yeah. Is amazing. And, um, you know, I think kind of, he, he was, he was Charles, Christian Crowell was talking about kind of taking on Brazil and planting trees as fast as Bolsonaro can tear exactly. them down. Exactly, so, take on that Which is uh, great, president. yeah, so put it back to them. <laughs> um, but I think, so we, we, I wanted to, just mention a, another project it's it's a family project we're doing in wales where we've taken over a um, 350 acre farm and we're converting it into a basically a sort of eco um, reserve which is going to wow. be primarily about trees and then we're going to look at putting a few kind of eco cabins on there so it'll make it sustainable economically in the long term so hopefully the income from that will allow it to continue into hopefully perpetuity Right. Um, a bit like the cathedral builders, we've started on something that will be 
the next generations will actually see all the, the products because I think trees take quite a long time to uh, mature. But mm. so, yeah, so I, I think um, I was going to nominate um, actually the people who own and run the Nep Estate. So it's um, a couple called Charles Burrell and Isabella Tree who've turned a three and a half thousand acre farm, so a bit bigger than the one we have in Wales, into um, effectively a, a sort of nature reserve. And they've allowed mm. through a rewilding project um, which I think is just a you know, fantastic um, achievement. And they, they're actually managing to make it economically sustainable as well, because obviously it's really important that these things can sustain themselves so they have a bit of tourism and they have people coming yeah. to visit and you know, they offer accommodation. So I think it's a really inspiring project and something that's bringing back a whole load of wildlife, you know, including 19 gales and things. So, you know, animals and species that have been on the verge of, of, of going extinct and they're actually doing something really meaningful and tangible. So I think I think I was going to nominate them as That's my eco-heroes. <gasps> Thank you for that, Charlie. That's as well as stowaway, I now have another holiday destination. <laughs> <laughs> you will do in a few years. Oh, we yes, haven't sorry. quite got there yet. You'll just see some very small trees, but you will. <laughs> <laughs> just some saplings in the exactly. inner field. So what's the plan for that? What's the sort of... Uh, year point that you're aiming for uh well we're, we're going through um the usual dreaded planning process at the moment so we're we're, we're i think we're, we're hopeful that we'll get positive reception so it's just about the balance between you know the numbers of um cabins and um even things like tree planting you know can be contentious for some reason but um yeah so we're hoping perhaps within the next three years we'll have some really nice places for people to come and stay great in, uh, in Give it a few years, guys. He'll be back on the podcast telling us all about it. Very much appreciate Charlie's time today. I hope you found that as interesting as I did. Um, Do you find eco a consideration for your holidays? Would you go and stay in a recyclable hotel like Stowaway? Would you be interested in eco reward points for your eco hotel stays? Now, if you want to find out more about Stowaway, the artworks in London, the upcoming Loftwen or Nepcastle, then all of the links are in the show notes wherever you are listening to this podcast. Okay, before we finish up, time for a quick eco life hack. Sun cream run out after your summer holidays? Got loads of empties? Did you listen to our old recycling episode and now you're not sure exactly what your local authority is going to do with them when you put them in your green bin? Well, here is another option. The Body Shop have finally set up a plastic recycling scheme in some stores. So, return your empty packages, body shop or otherwise, to certain stores, pop them in the TerraCycle bin, 0% goes to landfill, and for every five body shop empties, you get a £5 voucher on your body shop card. Win-win! Right, if you are listening to this, I am technically on my holidays. I hope this podcast episode managed to load correctly. Do get in touch with your guest suggestions, eco life hacks. I shall see you next time on the next episode of the Age of Plastic podcast. I'm off to stock up on some Vin Rouge. (laughs) That's French for red wine. (laughs) I know.